0: Welcome to the Uncensored Empath, a place for us to discuss highly sensitive energy, illness, healing, and transformation. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a life and success coach for empaths who want to create a thriving body, business, and life. Think of this podcast as your no BS guide to navigating life, health, and entrepreneurship. You'll get straight to the point, totally holistic tips from me in real time as I navigate this healing and growth journey right beside you. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to today's episode. I am so excited to share this couple with you today. Their names are Natalie Sayre and Will Fleming, and they are the creators of the Instagram account at Clinical Copilot, where they share the ups and downs of mindfully navigating life with chronic illness as a team. And I have had the honor of working with Natalie for several years now and being able to just see her immense growth and evolution and really the building and and honing in of the resilience that is within her and within their relationship as well. And I think you're going to see that so obviously today. In their account, Clinical Co-Pilot, they take you behind the scenes of their relationship and the sometimes turbulent journey when you're struggling with the chronic illness and really teach and inspire on how to create a strong foundation of love and support during those challenging times. In today's interview, I'm going to be talking with both Will and Natalie about how to come back home to self-love in the hardest of situations, how to reframe the internal dialogue that goes on in our mind when you're struggling with illness, what they have achieved and learned and, and how much has been healed in the past several years, and ultimately why they chose the the term clinical co-pilot over caregiver in their relationship which is something that I can personally relate to as well. My husband Andrew and I have have also had to navigate this journey of a romantic relationship that is turned into a marriage and all the while my health has taken lots of bumps and turns and winding spirals along the way and it's something that has required so much communication between the two of us. And I, I honestly think that it brings a unique perspective into a relationship when especially just one of the partners is struggling with health issues. So I'm gonna be asking Will about how you know he supports Natalie, but also how Natalie supports Will, because you'll hear from them today. You're, you're gonna see how much love is here in this couple. But they support each other. It is not a one way street. It is not. And that's ultimately like why caregiver doesn't feel like the right word and their relationship and my relationship doesn't feel like the right word either. So there's so much to be learned here, so much to be witnessed, and they're going to be sharing a lot of the wisdom that they've gained along this path and just, you know, taking it day by day and figuring out how to navigate something that we aren't born learning or knowing how to navigate. And I just think you guys are going to feel so inspired by how they keep silliness and playfulness and fun and joy alive in some of the most challenging situations and circumstances. You know, that feeling when you sit in your own problems and your own shadow and your own grief and your own sadness, and your own frustration, your own stuckness, And you're like, I'm going to figure it out. I got this. I'm going to figure it out on my own. And you sit there and it's so hard to find the answer because you're in your own shit. And it's hard to get out of your own stuff because you are so consumed by it, because you are yourself, because you have your brain that you can't just dissociate from. And so when we get stuck in our life or we feel like, The problem is this thing and it must be this thing. The problem is not always that thing. And with the help of my BetterHelp therapist, I was able to realize that in my life this week on our weekly call, we talk every Thursday, she is amazing. We were having our conversation and I was talking about something in relation to grief that I thought was the problem. And she was like, Sarah, how do you feel about this? What about that? And I was like, oh, my God, that's the actual problem. I would never have come to that conclusion on my own. And really, part of what has been holding me back or just making it feel challenging for me to move forward with grief has actually been another issue with a different relationship in my life. Completely, seemingly unrelated, but not. And I'm so grateful to have someone with a more neutral eye help me realize and have those big aha moments in my life. So, if you feel like something is interfering with your happiness, if you feel like you're stuck in your own stuff and it's really hard to actually see the big picture or identify where to focus your attention, or you feel like something is preventing you from achieving your goals, then I invite you to try out BetterHelp and get the support from a counselor or therapist for yourself today. Here's how it works. Go over to trybetterhelp.com backslash uncensored empath. That's trybetterhelp.com backslash uncensored empath. You get 10% off your first month of service. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. It is professional counseling done securely online, and there are resources and people with expertise that may not even be available locally to you that now you can access from anywhere in the world. It is affordable therapy. It's is helpful in that they match you with exactly what you need and help you to start living a happier life. So again, try betterhelpcom backslash uncensored empath and get the support that you are so deserving of today. Welcome to the show, Natalie and Will. I am thrilled to have you both on today.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Happy to be here. So I have known, we were just talking about Natalie for a few years now, and she was part of the OG autoimmune tribe, like uh, community. And we've really been able to grow our relationship, uh, both in that like client coach relationship, but also as friends and people who get each other. And it's just been such an honor to see you grow Natalie. So I'd love to start by more formally introducing each of you to the audience. And Natalie, if you can start by just talking about what has the last couple of years been like for you?
2: Sure. So um, I started to experience symptoms of chronic illness Pretty early on in my 20s, um, they presented really mainly in the forms of, or the form of migraines at first, and then kind of snowballed into more issues. Um, The migraines themselves got more severe and more frequent um, and started impacting really every area of my life, from school to work, relationships to working out, Mm -hmm. getting coffee, like everything. It just just grew into a really big issue and really big part of my life, which led me to seek support in all kinds of places. Obviously, first with lots of doctors and specialists and more doctors. But when that wasn't working or when I wasn't making a ton of progress with that, I started to look, look elsewhere for support. Um, I found Autoimmune Tribe. I found people like you who were offering support um in the emotional sphere of going through something like this Mm -hmm. so it's been a long road of really debilitating pain and very intense symptoms and treatments and diagnoses but it's also been a really exciting road of learning a lot about myself and connecting with people like you and a big community
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I actually don't know the answer to this question. How long have you and Will been together? You guys are now engaged and we're going to be talking about your relationship and how you've been navigating that with illness. But how long have you been together officially?
1: So we have, I guess this September, we'll have been together for 12 years. So it's been quite a while. So I know a lot of people ask, um, If, you know, she's been dealing with migraine and Lyme disease and all of that before we met or if it happened after. And we were actually together for five years before any health deterioration or anything like that. So... Mm Uh, we've been through the whole gamut of it together.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting for you, Will, to have this perspective of Natalie uh, back like in, in college or whenever you, that 12 years ago was for you before college, right?
1: We met in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was living out in California, I in Louisiana, mm-hmm. and we dated long distance for actually a couple of years before <laughs> being together in uh, undergrad.
0: Oh my God, you guys are freaking adorable. I love you. <laughs> Natalie, you know, I want to hear from you and your perspective for a moment around coming back home to your body and to self love in the hardest of situations that you've been navigating and traversing in your life over the past several years.
2: Yeah. So, um, it has been such a long process. I think talking about where I am today, it, it has to start with that, where it's like, this did not happen overnight. This happened over years and months and so many days of feeling like I wasn't on the right track and feeling like self-love was impossible when there's so much pain going on at the same time. Um, mm-hmm and i think at the beginning of my journey with chronic illness like you're conditioned to not love your body because you're not supposed to love feeling sick like it's mm-hmm. scary and it hurts and you're supposed to fix it so that was a huge hurdle for me for like 2 years just figuring out how i could love a body that was in pain so much of the time and look at look at that with softness and gentleness and not anger, at least all the time. I still have plenty of moments where I wish I wasn't going through like the actual pain when it's happening. But, um, yeah, it was really just coming to a place where, where I accepted on a deep level that loving this life was more important to me than hating this pain. And part of, part of loving this life is loving the body that's, that's here. Um, the Mm -hmm. body that lets me hug people I love and walk to go see sunsets. So Mm -hmm.
0: I don't know if that answers your question, but. Absolutely. I think you said it really, really beautifully. And I think in, in my own experience with chronic illness that there are those more simple things in life that become really important when you're struggling and you start to appreciate things so much more. And you have personally navigated so many different specialists and different opinions, whether they're solicited or unsolicited opinions, I'm sure, on you know how to heal, what to do to get better. You need this, you need that, appointments that you've navigated throughout this process. And in the clinical po- co-pilot uh, Instagram w- over there with Will, I was reading a post that there was a very intentional purpose and reason, reason around choosing the Word co pilot versus caregiver, and so I'd love to hear both perspectives on the process that you have, how you've navigated that process, and also, Will, your role in that as co pilot. And if you want to chat a little bit about the difference between caregiver and co pilot, I'd love that too.
2: Sure, I can go first, and then Will can chime in and finish up the co pilot definition, but yeah, it was really born out of a conversation one day in the car, we were just, we were talking about, so this has happened through our twenties, right? And it's not, it's not uncommon for 20 somethings to go through health crises or healing, but it's not the most common 20 something experience either. Um, and we were just talking about how, how proud we are of how we've how we've grown as a couple. And we were going to do some appointment, um, Oh, we were going to the DMV to get <laughs> to get our licenses, which literally took us 12 months to do from the point we moved because of just like other health things and other appointments. And we were like, this is awesome. Look at us finally doing it and doing it together and finding, finding a way to make it happen. And we were like, the word caregiver is not A, it just doesn't resonate and feel like what's going on here, but also it's not something that we're proud to tell other people about because it's just not what's happening for us. Like we are, we're a team and we're helping each other um, both achieve our own goals. Like he's, he's co-piloting my healing, but I'm also co-piloting him through his, his big dreams and goals. So we were like, we need a cool word, something mm-hmm. that we can be proud of, and we can tell people, um, yeah, like, this is my co-pilot. This is mm-hmm. my partner. It's, it's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Instead of the stigma that can be attached to the word caregiver, um, yeah. which would reflect, like, much more of a one-way right. relationship.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, you know, the way I see it as well is, you know, when you're a caregiver to someone else, that other person is really dependent on you for doing a lot of things that they're unable to do.
3: Mm-hmm. And there's
1: uh, a bit of an uneven dynamic between the caregiver and the person receiving care. And for us, I don't think we've ever seen our relationship that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we really liked the, the idea of a co-pilot because we do always feel like there's this bi-directional flow of support. And like Natalie mentioned, she helps me get through so much uh, going through med school and being organized and all of the great skills and unique characteristics that Natalie brings to the table helped me out so much. Mm-hmm. And likewise, you know, I have, I'm very optimistic. I'm very, uh, you know, giving and, and all of these other things that help Natalie out a lot as well. So we didn't feel like caregiver made any sense in our dynamic. And we felt like it probably also doesn't describe a lot of people's relationships, especially when you're in this age group where, you know, you you don't want to see yourself as a caregiver or somebody who's just receiving care. You want to be this this team together. And so we thought, you know, to keep that plane flying high and cruising altitude, that just being co-pilots together made so much more sense to us.
0: I love it. And I resonate with it as well. I remember this was the very beginning of the podcast when I had, at the time, my fiance, Andrew, on. Is now my husband, but I had him on, actually he was probably, I think he was still my boyfriend at that point, but somebody asked, what was it like for him to be my caregiver? And it really triggered me because I was like, Ooh, that does not resonate. Like I'm giving to him just as much as he is giving to me in this relationship. And when I think of caregiver, and this is just my, you know, like limited perspective of the word, but I think of more of, um, you know, like nurses helping people in in like nursing homes and here you know you guys are in your 20s i'm in my 30s like that's not the image of the relationship that my husband and i have or or certainly what you guys have with each other and so i love that you really you've given a, a modern spin to it an upgraded spin to it but really just more a accurate uh, definition of what your relationship is and how that dynamic plays out in your, in your relationship. So within that co-pilot role that you both play, Will, how, how has it been for you to support somebody who is going through chronic illness? And I think especially in, in what I know, because I know a lot of Natalie's journey, there's been so many unknowns. There's been so many question marks that have, um, have come up in that process. And what has that been like for you?
1: That's a great question. And, you know, it's something just sort of ping for me with what you were describing earlier, just before I answer that, where sort of like, I remember at one point somebody said to me like, Oh, Natalie is so lucky to have you. And that kind of triggered me a little bit where I was like, I'm so lucky to have Natalie and we're so lucky to have each other. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was like another one of those moments where I was like, I'm not, I'm not just caring for her. We're caring for each other. I digress. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Going through this like chronic illness thing with, the amount of unknowns in the amount of ups and downs, like it has been one, it's just not something I think you're just born naturally good at. Mm -hmm. I think it's something that you learn to deal with and you find coping mechanisms and other things that allow you to get through it. And, you know, maybe I was better equipped in some ways because I'm that eternal optimist who always thinks that the next thing is going to be the thing. Mm -hmm. But in some ways that was all also really challenging because. I had these big disappointments when that didn't happen. And, you know, Natalie had to adapt to like, you know, she's a scheduler. She's somebody who likes having plans and Mm -hmm. things, uh, you know, ready to go. And so her having to let go of that a little bit and say, you know what, we'll see whatever happens happens. And so I know that for me, it just, it was not something I was naturally good at. And it's something that, I've had to work at and be more patient and understand that this is such a process. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think I've gotten much better at it now, but I also don't want people to feel like they should be like in, in a great position. If like it's starting off and they feel totally overwhelmed and that Mm -hmm. they can't handle it and that, you know, they'll never get to that point because it just doesn't happen overnight. It's Mm -hmm. something that, you know, I had, you know, I went through a lot of like hard times myself, like trying to get to the point where I could be a good support system. Yeah. So it's, and and it's totally natural Mm -hmm. for everyone to go through something like that.
0: That reminds me of my own relationship again with Andrew in that (laughs) he would get so frustrated that he couldn't, you know, I'm air quoting over here, fix me and couldn't do more to help me so much of the time. And finally we came, we, our communication got a lot better and in that communication I, you know i told him i'm like i don't need you to fix me that's not what your role is in this in this relationship in this partnership and instead i need you to just like see me and i need you to see my pain i need you to acknowledge my pain i need you to hold space for me to cry or to be pissed off or to punch a pillow or to just like wanna curl up into a ball on the couch or on bed on in the bed and that in itself was extremely supportive and extremely comforting for me in that process of that na- navigating chronic illness. And, you know, you mentioned this, I think you mentioned this previously that you're in med school. And so you clearly will have this heart of a healer, like you want to help people. So that part of you is, uh, while not like naturally knowing exactly what to do when you're In your relationship or your partnership, Natalie is is not feeling well, but there is a part of you that wants to help people in the world as as like a future doctor. And so I'm curious to to hear from you in that perspective how that plays out with conventional medicine and the way that the things you're learning in med school and how uh, obviously you're not working as a doctor yet, but here you are learning these skills to be able to help people with illness. And then you're, you know, living with and in this relationship, going to get married to this person who is trying to navigate the very system that you're about to be a part of. How does that play out in your mind?
1: Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I do feel like um, Western medicine is really tremendous and fantastic and uh, so effective at acute illnesses mm-hmm. and things that happen that need a uh, fast resolution.
3: Mm-hmm. And so
1: I really kind of alluded to this earlier at the beginning of her, you know, when she was first diagnosed and when we were first going through this, it was, uh, you know, is an illness that you're fighting. And that's what Western medicine is. It's a fight and it's you versus the illness. Yeah. And that's awesome when you're fighting something that has uh, a definable endpoint and that you can get to the other side of. But when you're dealing with something like a chronic illness, it's like all of that gets thrown out the window and you really have to reassess and maybe understand that western medicine is not set up to deal with a lot of chronic issues. You know, it's it's you can be it has methods to be supportive and to alleviate some symptoms, but oftentimes what i found is that you need to bring in a lot of other components um you know a lot i'm sure that you and Natalie have talked about before that are these eastern medicine practices and these more traditional ways of thinking that are more towards just bringing the body into a, into a more just even state
3: mm-hmm. than
1: it is right now. Yeah. So that's, been, that's been a challenging thing to hold both of those, I guess, types and approaches in my mind simultaneously, mm-hmm. you know, while I'm in med- medical school and learning about, uh, you know, all of this stuff that, that mm-hmm. is out
3: there.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that and sharing that really transparently. And I I agree with you so much that there's a time and a place for each. And with chronic illness, it often does require us to look at the whole body and the root cause of what's going on. And uh, the the diagnostics behind it can be much more challenging. And it can take us down this winding path that can get frustrating. And you guys have done, and Natalie, you've personally done so many different things on this this trek on this path of healing, and uh, as of this past year, like flown out to to um, California for some intensive treatments, and so throughout all the things that you've been through, all the things that you've tried, some have worked, some have not worked. What do you feel like, Natalie? Have you learned about your body or your life as you've been going through debilitating pain almost on a daily basis, and all the different treatments you've been through? What have you learned about yourself and about life?
2: Oh my gosh, um, that's a huge question that I could probably answer for like four hours straight. But um, I guess the first thing that comes to mind. So you know this about me, and you know before I even started dealing with illness of any kind, I was a pretty anxious person. I just tended toward anxiety. So as I've gone through this, and as I've gone through treatments and procedures and just appointments that. I never would have been able to imagine myself doing I've I've learned first of all that like I can do things that I think I can't do and I learned that over and over again in a million different ways whether it's a procedure or just another migraine attack that has reduced me to like how am I going to get through this attack and the answer is always like one moment at a time one breath at a time and It's so hard to get to that place, but it also, um, like when you really are confronted with these battles or uh, not battles, but mountains over and over again, and you show yourself that you can do them even when it feels like you can't, that's some of the biggest growth that I've had for sure, which has bled out into other areas of my life or seeped out into other areas of my life. Um, I've really, I feel so lucky that my journey with pain and illness has brought me to a gratitude practice. I don't think that that happens for everyone and it can take a lot of time to get there, but I'm, I'm just like, I'm one of the most grateful people I know I can wake up and point out 20 things off the top of my head that I'm so very, very deeply grateful for. Um, not just like, Oh yeah, I'm glad I have this, but like, Gosh, I'm so lucky to be alive and have this dog that is a beautiful little being. Or like this home is so comfortable, and I feel so safe here, even though I'm, even though I'm hurting. Um, and we talk about a lot how you know you. It doesn't matter if you would choose these struggles, right? Because they've happened. But at the end of the day, when I when I do get to the other side of some of this. Um, I feel like I'm going to be a much more joyful, grateful person because of it. And that's, that's some of the biggest growth that now I'm proud of. And um, like I'm, I'm just so grateful to be able to turn so much pain into something positive because it can
0: be really hard to get there. All right. I'm interrupting today's episode to share with you a revelation I have had in my life. I always thought that my skin was getting really clean with all the cleansers I've used in the past, with organic, non-toxic cleansers, until I used Vitamin Scrub from Clearstem. Stem. And I do not say this lightly when I say, my face has never felt so fucking clean. It's like a whole nother level. I mean, don't I don't you just trust that your face is getting cleaned by other cleansers? I did until I tried this and I realized how much cleaner my skin could feel with just this this switch-in product. Anyways, I'm clearly obsessed with it. It the highlighted ingredients inside of the vitamin scrub are stem cells, vitamin C, and bamboo. It's nourishing, brightening, exfoliating. Y'all have heard me talk also about my journey with skin picking and how the products sell Renew in Clarity. Uh, They're both serums have also helped me dissolve blackheads and reduce melasma. My newest obsession is the vitamin scrub because my face feels cleaner than ever. And I'm here to share this with you. Head over to ClearStemSkincare.com, use my code empath at checkout for $10 off of their products. You can also receive 15% off their Ditch Your Acne course, which has helped so many people clear up their skin and just live a more confident life. I see that in you so strongly, Natalie. I think that you have really mastered the skill of turning shit into gold and really allowing yourself to lean into hope and into positivity, and not in a facade like a, a fake way, but in a truly authentic way that keeps you going on this path and that keeps you grounded along this path when there are so many bumps and, and setbacks and hurdles that like you're making progress, but it doesn't mean there's not challenge along the way. And really, this is what you experience, and what many of us experience, many people listening, and myself too is an invisible illness, because you are a beautiful young woman who uh, some people might look at and think, oh, she looks fine. And and you recently posted on your Mindful Migraine Instagram page uh, that, you know, what you really mean when you say, you know, I'm tired. And when we hear people say that, we think it means one thing. But when you have chronic illness, that it does mean a whole, whole different thing. So I'd love to just just have have two questions. Natalie, for you, uh, what is it like to have an invisible illness? And Will, because it's more of, and like you live together and Andrew relates to this with me, like you see probably more of the symptoms show up in a physical way. And so you're able to identify that when she's going through that. But uh, I'm sure there's moments or when she's trying to like really be strong out in public or you're traveling or whatever. How do you support somebody when you can't like, you know, there's not like a cut on her arm. She hasn't broken her arm. She doesn't have like a, maybe like a rash or something that's obvious. How do you support someone with invisible illness and really tune into the subtlety of them? And then Natalie, what is it like to navigate and live with that?
2: Sure, I can start us off. Yeah. So it's, it's hard first and foremost, it's definitely not easy. And, um, I think at, or a couple of years ago, I think I was much more consumed with how do I get everyone to understand how bad this pain is and how hard it is. Um, and when you're operating from that, that point of view, it's, it's even harder because you are, or at least I was overthinking everything and like if I do this do they think that and if they see me out at the grocery store do they think that I've had a whole day that's been okay or if they see a picture of you know all those things um and something that really helped me was to let go of a lot of that and to really really pick the people who I really want to understand so I prioritized like I want Will to understand as much as he can what I'm going through, I want my parents to get it. I want my brother to get it. I want a couple of my close friends to really get it, and I figured out ways to have conversations with them about pain scales or sometimes it was uncomfortable and awkward for me to be like, "I just need to talk to you about this because I want you to understand how hard it is. I'm not looking for sympathy or to be a victim, but this is my everyday and I I want you to know what it's like. Um, so I, I sort of pulled away from trying to make sure everyone in the world knew what was going on or everyone in the world got it and prioritized um, prioritized my closer circle getting it. And then it forced me to get really comfortable with boundaries and to just Accept that not everyone will get it, not everyone will get me, but that doesn't mean it's an excuse to push my boundaries just because other people think I might be feeling better than I look. Um, I got to, or I've gotten to a place where it's like all you can do is be honest and authentic and truthful, and people are going to think what what they're going to think. And hopefully, you're getting (laughs) honest, empathetic, you know people who are responding, but sometimes you aren't. And then that's like, who's, are you going to carry around the energy of them not believing you? Or are you going to protect your already very taxed, limited energy and then yeah. i let it go. Mm-hmm. Well, Thank so. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so in regards to um, your question, it was, you know, it actually made me think about something that happened to me yesterday where one of my friends said, you know, it seems like, uh, you know, the couple times that I saw Natalie this month, she was actually doing pretty well. And I was really happy to see that. And, you know, that always makes me feel good because I'm like, yeah, like I love it when Natalie's feeling good. That's great. And I love it when other people get to see that and appreciate it. But then I also had to remind him that, and this is one of my best friends, and he had come over, I think, four times this past month. And I said, well, two of those times, Natalie didn't even come downstairs because she wasn't feeling up to even seeing or talking a little bit. And then the other two times that you saw her, she was still pushing through a decent amount of pain. And the fact is, she can do that. She can push through. She can, you know, sacrifice her long-term health so that she can be there in a moment uh, to experience something. And that's just, that's something that she's gotten really good at. For better or for worse mm-hmm. but that's just the reality of the situation and um, so I thought that was like a really sort of like you know people will see and latch on to what they want to see to a yeah. certain extent even when they'd mean only the best mm-hmm. right when they're like trying to be supportive and want to say well you know I, you know it seems like you're doing a little bit better like I've been thinking about you and it's you know and and whatnot it can be for the best intentions but still they'll see that snippet and assign it to a much larger description of how you're actually doing. And I'm sure you've experienced that so much as well. And then sort of secondarily, uh, and you sort of brought this up earlier, you know, when you're out there um, in a certain environment, and how are you supporting, you know, your your partner, your co-pilot with this invisible illness? And it's like you said, communication, and it's developing a language that the two of you can use, Mm -hmm. that you know exactly what the other person means when they're using it. And that can be a pain scale that is very specific for like the person you're with. So Natalie's got her own pain scale as far as uh, you know, her migraine pain, uh, and then also her her spoony scale, which is more of a you know a fatigue or you know I guess like a, a stimuli overdrive scale. So we've developed these uh, you know communication techniques just so that when we are out doing something. And I need to be able to ascertain what Natalie's level is at. Mm-hmm. We can use those techniques um, to better assess it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Andrew's gotten so good with me at it's it's the subtlest thing. Uh, and we should get better at having a scale like you guys do. But there's this thing I do with my hands, and he'll I don't, and it's not conscious. I just do it, and he's mm-hmm. like we need to go now, don't we? And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah right.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's an invisible illness, but it's like, it's very hard to have a poker face when things get really bad, you know? Absolutely. We'll have a give when things get to a certain extent. And I can tell, you know, it's Natalie's eyes for me always, you know, she gets like the droopy eyelid or, you <laughs> really, know, really she cute. always looks beautiful, but you know, it, that's, you know, there'll be a give more often than not.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we still have times and it really like highlights how invisible, invisible illnesses to me where I feel like we're on the same page. I'm like, Oh, he like, we're out somewhere in public. I'm like, he gets it. He knows I'm at like a level nine migraine creeping up and we get in the car and I'm like, I feel like I'm dying. Like this is awful. And he's like, oh, I thought I was just starting to kick up. Like you really, you're you're that bad right now. And it's just, that always shocks me because I'm like, here's this person who spends more time with me than anyone else in the world right now, um, who gets all of the descriptions of my pain that I so creatively come up with so that he can understand as well as possible. And even he misses it, not misses it completely, but can miss reading the severity. And I think yeah. that just, to like it's invisible it's invisible. yeah it's it's not a cutesy saying it's it's Mm -hmm. true you can't you can't see it sometimes or Mm -hmm. at least can hold it like a pretty decent poker face Mm -hmm. like mask your nine level pain to look like a six or a 6.5 um (laughs) and it's like if he can't see how can i expect anyone else you know right Mm -hmm.
0: And we get so good at masking it, I think, to try and fit in and to not uh, start to attract unwanted attention towards ourselves when we're uncomfortable. And so we get really good at it so that even the people who are closest to us are like, yeah, maybe I noticed a little bit, but I don't know the intensity of it. And unless you do communicate that with me and you you tell me or we have a scale or we have a, a tell or a sign to be able to to know that. And so it's so important to have that level of communication with, with our partner that you're navigating this journey with, or you're co-piloting this journey with. And well, I'd love to hear from your perspective, the, the str- it's obvious that you see strength and, and immense beauty in Natalie, but I'd love to hear more specifically what you have. What has her journey taught you?
1: You know, it, It's sort of rife with a whole whole mess of lessons, actually. And so it's, you know, I've learned so much about just healthcare in general from what she's gone through. And I've got like this immense repertoire of, you know, knowledge just going through this journey with her. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's taught me a lot about Natalie as a person and her resiliency. And, you know, a lot of what she talked about earlier – and just like the development that she has had to, to go through. It's been pretty profound. Um, and just like kind of awe inspiring in a lot of ways. So I would say, you know, specifically, I don't know, it's like, I, there's so many components to it. I'm trying to think of some specific examples, because it has dominated our lives in a lot of ways. Um, so every single part of our lives, whether that's Interacting with our family members and cherishing certain moments together where the pain is low, or it's you know being out being able to let like go and do an activity um, and 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 really having an appreciation for those types of moments mm-hmm. or just like seeing Natalie you know work up to of you know this fear mountain of having a surgery or trying a new medication and then getting through that and helping her get through it it's been uh you know, just lesson after lesson, really.
0: Mm-hmm. To me, it's from what I can see also a really beautiful indication of how compassionate you will be as a practitioner in, in the future. And I think that that is something that, you know, you can't add to your resume maybe, but like is definitely something that adds to, to your strength as a, as a future doctor, as a future MD. I'm so excited to tell you a little bit more about my favorite blue blocking glasses company called Blue Blocks. They are the only company who offers blue light filtering lenses backed by the latest science, meaning their team are all very well-versed in the science and have researched light and health for years. And they offer the best blue light filtering technology available. What's really interesting is there are different types of lenses. In fact, there are three different types of lenses and I didn't realize that it's beneficial to have all three types and that different colors do different things. So I learned a whole bunch. The first type of lens are the sleep plus lenses. And these are a red lens that are the only true way to block 100% of blue and green light for after sunset use. They also help to improve sleep, reduce anxiety, and relax you. The second type of lens are blue light lenses. These are the ones that I currently have. They are clear lenses, and they are blue light filtering for during the day. These are ideal for people like me who work either under artificial light or in front of a computer screen all day. And these target the frequencies of light that cause migraines, headaches, macular degeneration, and digital eye strain. The third type of lens are the summer glow lens, and these are these sexy yellow lenses, and they are blue light blocking meets color therapy. They're designed for daytime use for people who work under, again, intense artificial lighting, who suffer from migraines, anxiety, depression, or even seasonal affective disorder. They work by blocking the portion of blue light responsible for these issues and uplift the person's mood with infused color therapy. Pretty freaking cool. They even have an amazing sleep mask that is so comfortable and so effective at blocking out light. I love these glasses and this company and the integrity that Andy and his wife, the CEO and founder have so much that I partnered up with them to offer you 15% off with code empath So you can get 15% off any pair of lenses and frames. You can even add your prescription to them. They have free global shipping, freaking amazing. Just go over to blueblocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and use the code empath at checkout. And then send me a selfie with your new glasses. I'd love to hear from both of you because I think you guys are really good at this. How do you how do you keep things light when a lot of stuff is heavy? And where do you find silliness in something that is so challenging?
1: Well, so I uh, like one of my purest joys in life is making people laugh, and so like I I can almost turn any situation. Like even when Natalie's like full blown head pain, just feeling terrible, you know, it's like you can, and she's even said this. Like you can still laugh even when you're in a lot of pain. So I think it's like, you know, don't look for those moments, try to create them a little bit. So
3: yeah.
1: I think it's like, you know, they might not happen organically sometimes, but you know, try to make a little bit of a light moment because one of those one of the things that Natalie talks about all the time is like you can have a day that is, you know, gone, that is totally taken from you by pain mm-hmm. and by symptoms, but within that day can be several moments that you can sort of hang on to where you are doing something goofy or where you're laughing about something that's ridiculous. Sometimes it's just about laughing about how shitty it is Mm -hmm. and just like, isn't this kind of effed up how our life is like this right now? And it's just like, you know, it's almost unbelievable. So um, I'm not trying to tell people they should adopt a dark sense of humor about it, (laughs) but it's not a terrible, you know, it's one of these coping mechanisms that is, I think, really vital to, to your mental health, honestly, while you're going through something like this.
2: Yeah. I think something that also helped us with that, and again, this took a little while, but there, there was a point in time where we didn't have as good a communication as we have now. And I didn't feel as confident that he fully understood everything I was going through. So I would I would sometimes be like more guarded around moments of lightness on days that were really hard because I felt like if I did laugh, then it would send mixed signals like, oh, I couldn't really be having such a hard time if I laughed or smiled about something. And a couple of years ago, like that really was let go of. I was like, he, he gets it. We're on the same page. And that's made, that's made a lot of room for lightness. Um, in terms of like, he'll give our dog Finn a voice and like talk to me as Finn. And literally, you know, even if I've been in bed all day, A, I think he's really funny. So (laughs) that probably helps, but he can get me laughing. And I mean, we've had times in the ER where even if it's like one laugh, something comes out or yeah, I mean, waiting for surgery on, on the one that I was just like, I truly had so much anxiety. I thought I would die before I would get through the surgery, which I rationally know isn't true. Um, but we were finding lightness through that. It was like, okay, here we are, about to do this thing that feels impossible. Mm-hmm. Let's see how this goes. And that, that has helped um, like not guarding, not guarding my joy and not guarding my lightness at all. Um,
3: yeah. yeah
2: like sometimes I'll be laughing and then I'll start crying and then I'll start laughing again. I mean, really like in the middle of a pain meltdown, that happens kind of a lot where we'll be like, this is so crazy, how are we how are yeah. we doing that? And it's just, yeah, that's helped I think. Too.
1: And I think Natalie kind of touched on this just now, it's like, you know, that's such a, it's such a warped pressure on, on individuals who have invisible illnesses that they feel like they need to prove it because so many people will just not believe them if they don't. Mm-hmm. And so it's like not only are you suffering enough, but you have to like show that you're suffering to other people or at least there's that pressure to do so.
3: Mm-hmm. And I think
1: that'd be so restrictive like Natalie said to to finding that light and finding those bright moments. And it's just I what a what a burden for people that are already so burdened.
0: Yeah. Know? Holy crap. I mean I, you said that really beautifully. Will. I'm really glad that you drew attention to that because I, I relate to that. I'm sure many listeners can relate to that too. It's an added pressure that is really, um, not wanted, right? Like you, there's already enough on, on somebody's plate who has invisible illness. And, and so will you know, as someone who is, you know, seemingly healthy, at least on this, like the surface level, right? You still have needs like as a human being as well. So how do you navigate asking for what you want or what you need from someone who does have a lot on their plate? And you guys, you touched on this a little bit before, and it sounds like there's definitely this mutual agreement that you both help each other equally. Like it is very much an equal exchange of energy, but I'd love to hear more specifically about being able to speak up, speak up for your needs when the person that maybe you're asking is, is dealing with a lot.
1: Yeah, so I mean, absolutely. That involves, you know, Natalie making sacrifices in some ways for meeting me in places that, uh, you know, are really important to me. So I'm someone who I need to exercise a certain amount of times throughout the week. So that means like going on, you know, several hours of, of runs throughout the week. And also I'm somebody who's energized by social interactions. So sometimes that means like if there's a gathering and I feel like I need to go and have that interaction, you know, sometimes that means Natalie is home and dealing with her situation. Um, by herself, and that's not an easy. That's never an easy agreement to come to because I don't like leaving her in that situation, mm-hmm. uh, and she doesn't enjoy being in that situation. So I think it's one of the things that we've adopted is having kind of like a weekly check-in to talk about what things worked for us, what things didn't work for us, how we can improve in certain ways, and I think that's been pretty fundamental in helping us come to these agreements
3: mm-hmm.
1: on on ways that she can support me and I can support her. Because, yeah, you know, like you said, it's, it's that two-way street. And if we're not feeling like we're being met halfway, uh, it's just going to build resentment, and it's going to build up negative emotions, and it's going to lead to unhealthy coping habits, and it's going to lead to, you know, a big strain on the relationship. Uh, so I think, you know, you have to be upfront and confident in, in talking about what's important to you. Mm-hmm know when it comes up and in those situations because you're while you might be bandaging something for the short term and the long term it's just going to blow up in your face and they're not always comfortable conversations uh but they're really important
0: yeah just want to say thank you so much to both of you and I'd love to just end by opening the floor up to you one more time and just if there's anything else that you would share about the journey that you've been on these 12 years together and any, any advice for you ha- that you may have for other people or couples navigating a similar experience.
1: Well, I guess first off I would want to uh, disavow the belief that we are like a perfect team and are not constantly making mistakes, constantly learning trying to get better and you know it's certainly not all uh, rainbow and lollipops over here <laughs> we're do, you know we're we're still figuring it out and um and it's a total work in progress and so you know one of the things that i brought up a little while ago was just you know don't feel like you should be totally capable and enabled to be a perfect co-pilot to somebody because mm. uh, it's just you're you know it it won't be the case so just you know s- start start low, go slow and, and work your way there. And, uh, as long as you, uh, you know, really care for the other person and, uh, you know, want both of you to succeed,
3: both of you can.
2: I think that's, um, that was sort of like one of the first things we talked about with clinical co-pilot, because we talked about it a lot as partners, but it also expands to like parents and friends and co-workers and, you know, anyone in your life who you love and who loves you. Sometimes that doesn't translate, like loving someone a lot doesn't translate to knowing how to support them. And once we accepted that as like, oh, not having the skill set to be perfect co-pilots has nothing to do with how much we love each other. We just need to build this new, this new toolbox that was that was really helpful for us because we were like we we know we love each other we know we're so excited to build a life together but we just we have to build a toolbox for how to handle um these curveballs that no one taught us how to handle so
3: mm-hmm.
2: everyone's toolbox looks different um you, like one couple could copy everything we do and it wouldn't work for them like everyone's going to have their own toolbox but I think that commitment to just like figuring it out together is what, what leads to progress and what leads to making it work. And it's kind of fun. It's like you guys against your mountain, you can, you can take it on together, um, and brag about what a great team you are and be proud to be co-pilots and take it on with that attitude. So thank you
0: you for having us. It's been so fun to talk. I love it. You guys shared so many good nuggets and inspiration and actual action steps and and tangible things people can implement into their life as well. And I think there's going to be so many people inspired by what is a team. You guys are a team and you do work together and there is an equal exchange of energy and Open lines of communication, even if you're constantly perfecting it and hitting bumps, and you know being triggered by little things, you're still uh, on the ride. Like you are buckled in, and you are like going on this ride regardless. And so, I just want to say thank you so much. And we will of course link to both of your amazing Instagram accounts, you guys. If you're not already following at Clinical Copilot or at Mindful Mindgrain, they're just showing uh, on a really regular basis these not only the underside of what's going on inside of your lives in a very vulnerable way, but also some amazing tips to be able to navigate that, whether you're the person who's struggling with illness or you're uh, the person who is in the partnership supporting somebody, regardless, you are the co-pilot. So thank you again so much. We'll link to those in the show notes. And thank you guys again. Thank you. Do you all love them as much as I do? I just think they're freaking adorable. And they are learning so much through this process. And I also feel like it would be easy to just go through something like this, even though it's been, you know, like years that this has been a challenge and kind of go through it in a blur. And what I find so honorable about Will and Natalie's experience is they're really pausing to gather the learnings along the way. And they're gleaning so much new insight as they do go through this process. This is not time wasted. This is time where there's exponential growth, both together in a relationship, but also individually in both of their unique paths on this planet. So I'm just, again, so grateful to have had them on the show today. And I'm so grateful for you for tuning in and for listening. And if you're in a relationship, Either you have chronic illness or your partner has chronic illness. I'd love to hear maybe both of you have chronic illness. I'd love to hear from you and your own perspective of how you navigate that. What challenges have you bumped up against, and how have you overcome those? Because it, it happens in any relationship, regardless of whether there's somebody or both people with an illness. There's there's always going to be challenges in life, but we also ha- we always have the opportunity to choose how we respond to those bumps and those hurdles. And again, it's something that my husband and I have really opened up lines of communication about and has really brought us closer together and deepened our connection, our ability to communicate and and our love, our love for each other. And I'm so I'm so grateful for that in my own relationship. I can't wait to hear from each of you and what your thoughts are on this subject and what you thought of today's episode. As a reminder, you can receive a free guided hypnosis on cellular healing to help tune back into your body and to its innate healing abilities and to quickly access the subconscious mind and bypass the egoic voice and chatter in the mind that says I can't or has limiting beliefs or old stories or A laundry list of excuses. And instead really allows you to access that deeply healing place very quickly. And it has been one of the most transformational modalities that I've used in my own healing process is hypnosis. So I can't wait to share this with you, especially if you're new to this modality. I'd love for you to take a chance to try it out and experience it for yourself. And I'd love your feedback on that as well. Again, this is a free hypnosis to support cellular healing and heal the immune system. Simply go over to iTunes, share your honest feedback, make sure you screenshot your review, and then email that screenshot over to Sarah with an H at com. And then in return, I will email you your freebie. Thank you again for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode.